When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Greg Dixon from the Phoenix area. Big fan of the podcast and all the found footage focus um, from uh, from the podcast has me wondering about this idea that's uh, been going through my head as I as I watch found footage movies, especially here during the spooky season that is October. I often wonder if the story is served by this style or if it sometimes detracts from the story? Like, is the story served better by making a sound footage versus a more traditional film style? And I'm starting to feel like more often than not, and I I genuinely want to hear your thoughts, more often than not, the story, a disservice is done to the story by being hampered by this style. So I'd love to hear you guys speak to that and, and hear your thoughts. Keep up the good work. Love the podcast. Thanks. Thanks, Greg. Uh, I definitely have strong feelings, I guess, <laughs> as much as I have strong feelings about anything in horror, uh, about found footage. So I'll I'll defer to our panel of experts first before I go off on a tirade. <laughs> you have strong found footage thoughts. Yeah, you're our found footage yeah. guy, though. You're the expert. I know. This this is where you reign supreme. But to to get it out of the way so that you can have the full soapbox. Um, <laughs> I, I will say that it does matter as much as any art medium or art form to sound, I guess, pretentious. Um, you have to put thought into it. It's Sometimes you don't need found footage. I think sometimes it's approached in as an excuse to kind of mask a low budget, not necessarily something for the story. Um, for example, I love... The Sacrament, and I love Chronicle, but those movies don't need to be found footage. Right. Those movies don't really, I mean, what, I, I can't really think of any purpose that the found footage really does for the story. Mm-hmm. Um, Devil's Do, I hated Devil's Do. I don't, it's a terrible thing to bring up, but <clears throat> that's another one that I think that the story could have been stronger, not on found footage. So, you know, we've talked in, John especially has talked in the past about how you have to have a reason. You have to justify the use of found footage. Otherwise, you're already working against yourself in the story. So it has that it's a it's a really precise tool that is not as easy to use as as the subgenre makes you think it is. I agree with you. Like, I, I think it also depends, too, because I, I know that we've all seen like some really awesome found footage movies but i know right. we've also seen some that's just like what you know like what's <laughs> happening over there but yeah. you know some there are some where it's just like i feel like it works it's perfect it's like yes this is this is exactly yeah. what it needed um sometimes it even can add like some creepiness to it you know For especially sure. when they're exploring like those haunted type of places like i mean it just makes sense you know sometimes but yeah john floor dun 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 <laughs> No, I agree with both of you. Like, there's there's nothing about anything either of you said that I could disagree with. And for me, 
like you like you said, and I've said it before, like it has to be the form has to have function. Right. Like it has to be it's it you can't use it just as and based on a true story <laughs> or and this footage was just discovered in the woods or whatever. Like I do think that it's a trope that can be leaned on by filmmakers who are lacking a budget. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it reduces your need for added equipment, it reduces your need for a lot of things. And limiting the 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 vision or the perspective could be scary too. A- absolutely, and that's a big deal with some of the stuff like their phone. Like obviously, like Blair Witch, uh, one of my favorite underrated found footage movies, as above, so below. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I think it works perfectly in that environment because it's especially when you're being pulled into a, a an inherently frightening place, like uh, like it, the descent could have been found footage. Mm-hmm. It could have. It would have been pretty tough for a spelunker to be I see to that. say that they were strapped with GoPros or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it could have. Right. Didn't but it's a perfect example of it clearly didn't need it. Yes. Granted it was kind of it was kind of pre the the found footage wave. And I think that some movies are kind of victims of that popularity and that trend. Yes. Um but the so the big thing, it's not so much did a movie need to be found footage? It's does it understand what found footage is supposed to be? Mm-hmm. Like, was this footage found? Like, why is it found footage? Why are they still recording? Yeah. How can we see it? Right. And, uh, like, there's this one found footage movie, like, I really like for different reasons. It's the taking of Deborah Logan. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the actress who plays Deborah Logan is brilliant. Mm-hmm. She is phenomenal. Like, in my mind, she's like Tony Collette in, in Heredity, or Hereditary. Like, she is so good, so ominous, so scary, all that stuff. But they edited it. Like, the phone footage, now, and I'm not talking about just, like, putting together sections of film. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about they spliced in, like, animatics. They spliced in music. Like, it was a fully edited piece of work that was being presented to us. And that's not found footage. So what I realized is really that was a trope just to get those scary looks from Deborah Logan. Yeah. But I think you could manipulate that too, though. Like found footage is a baseline and, you know, they they were a documentary film crew. Mm-hmm. So you could you could use that as, as an excuse for having a more polished found footage film. But you have to put thought in, I think, is the gist of where we're going is, is it takes a lot more thought than, than you think. Yeah, once you get to the end of it, mm-hmm. it has to make sense, again, why we can see it the way it's being presented to us. Right. Like, even, you know, like, Grave Encounters, like, they even get, they kind of push that aside right away by having the guy sitting there like, listen, these guys were sending me in material, I was checking it out, and then one day they were gone, and this is the footage, all we did was edit together whatever right fine that totally works yeah like it it, it might seem a little cliche or hacky or whatever like uh, expositional fine doesn't matter because it gets out of the way at least i'm not halfway through the movie wondering why does it look like this yeah what do you guys think about the ones where there's someone like watching like the movie ratter or the den where they're watching through the computer or through like different areas like i know with ratter like she she was being watched through her phone through her Wii, like it was just like unfriended too, where it's yes. more. I I I think it's 
that type of thing, when you start adding technology to it, you start dating your movie a lot faster, I think. So, you know, host is really scary and it's 60 minutes long and it's great. But I also wonder, you know, five years from now, will Zoom still be as prominent? Will this be more of a zeitgeist of the moment type movie than, you know, or 10 years from now? So I think that they can be very effective. It's it's like it's it's like all under this umbrella of found footage, you know, where what do we call it? You know, it's not necessarily found yeah. footage anymore. Yeah. I guess it kind of is because they look clicked on a laptop, you know. Right. But it's, yeah. It's, like we've yeah. had that conversation before. Like it's it's first person. Horror. Yeah. POV. It's not necessarily found footage. It's first person. Yeah. It's yeah. Your POV. It's all about that perspective. And I get using that, too, because the scares are completely different. Yeah. Like it's you're experiencing the terror and the horror and the scares and everything the same way the cameraman is experiencing. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really powerful. It's just at the end of the day, I just like the feeling that either I saw something brand new Mm -hmm. in a genre that's pretty confining, really, or that they just treated it like this is always what they wanted to do. They, They knew they wanted to make a found footage movie. And it's like that's that's fine as opposed to, hey, how are we going to make this under budget? Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's make a found footage movie. Um, so it's, it, that's mostly it to me. I just, I feel like that resonates for me as a found footage fan as much as any, like, okay, I see what you're doing here, but it still needs to have a story arc. <laughs> yeah. It still needs to have characterization. Like, unfortunately, like I've seen some found footage movies that ended up, that just end really abruptly. And it makes perfect sense that they would end abruptly. Because of what happens and all, all the filmmakers died. Like, okay, I get that. And then it kind of goes back to, well, how, why am I seeing this yeah. in the first place? And I, I still feel disappointed, at least a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, bunch of conjecture. People die. Oh, crap. Okay. <laughs> so that's my take. Good deal. Hey, guys. This is Ryan. Love the podcast. Listen every week. Thanks for putting it out there. Just a question I had. Everybody loves the big horror movies, the Conjurings, the Saws, and so on. But what are your guys' favorite horror movies with the smallest audience? And once you tell us what those movies are, how can we watch those movies? Is there a streaming option? Are they on Amazon? Are they on any streaming service that you know of? Thanks. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Ryan. Okay, so I just have a list. We'll keep it simple. Don't need to dive in. These are just my recommendations of how I interpreted what you consider a small audience or an indie horror film. So first and foremost, not no particular order, but The Invitation on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, it feels indie small audience to me because I'd never heard of it. And then it came out and then I watched it and I was like, wait, what the hell did I watch? This is amazing. <laughs> uh, along with Session 9 on Netflix. Session nine is uh, amazing. Uh, It's really funny. I hadn't heard a lot of people see session nine. And then I read two books back to back that mentioned session nine, like in in, like novels. It was really weird. Uh, But that's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. The Lodge on Hulu. Sea Fever, also on Hulu, which I recently saw. Warning, Do Not Play on Amazon. And The Void, also on Amazon. Those are my recommendations of where you can watch what I consider or think of as small audience or indie horror movies. How about you two? What do you got? How about you, Zena? Okay. Hi. Okay. Well, the, <laughs> the first one, um, Bit, it's a horror comedy. 
and it's about this transgender teenager who fights to survive like over like vampires it's actually really cool and it's streaming on tubi uh really awesome poster i love it so much uh second one look away i believe it it came out in 2018 but i recently just watched it this year and it's about this girl who's in high school and like she kind of has like a sad kind of life she's kind of like a poor little rich girl point is she sees you know obviously she sees herself in the mirror but you know it's like someone else kind of and it's like a sinister type of demonic thing it's just you can't see me but that's supposed to be demonic <laughs> she's doing a demon tornado guys <laughs> but we can see you xena and it's amazing demon tornado yeah demon tornado because you know she kind of like switches places with the person in the mirror and it's actually really cool um another one that came out a couple of years ago 2014 oh and look away it's on amazon and so another one that came out in 2014, The Curse of Downers Grove, um, that's streaming on Hulu. And it's this girl, she basically like she's really scared because there's this curse in her town that usually kills off one high school senior every year before graduation, you know, and she's nervous that it might be her. And yeah, it, it's, it's pretty creepy, too. Mm. And then the last one, I really love this movie. This is this movie is super low budget. It's called Voodoo. It's another one that's streaming on Tubi that came out in 2017, where basically it's kind of like found footage style where this girl's vlogging her trip. She's from New Orleans and she um, she decided to visit a friend in Los Angeles. Something follows her over there because she's she's dealing with some <laughs> demonic voodoo type of stuff. And it's actually really cool, especially with their budget and what they were able to do. Awesome. Megan? Uh, just as a, a little aside, since the lockdown and pandemic started, I started this weekly column on Bloody Disgusting every Monday, like five streaming picks that you can watch. And I theme it every week after whatever inspires me. But I do try and do a mix of things that people might be familiar with and things that are more deeper cuts. So if you need further inspiration, there you go. But um, for the purpose of this question, I went with one of my beloved favorites that nobody talks about called The Seventh Curse on uh, Prime Video. It's a mm. 1986 Hong Kong action horror movie, same director who did the story of Ricky O, if anybody oh, yes. knows that super. Yeah, so <laughs> this one is almost like a huge Hong Kong spectacle, Big Trouble Little China. I mean, they both came out the same year. Uh, it's based on a popular novel series in Hong Kong, like the Wisely series. It's this guy who's probably an Indiana Jones type. He gets this curse where he has seven days to get back to where it started in the jungle and defeat this evil wizard or he's going to bleed to death. And mm. there's, you know, tribe fighting. There's this crazy sorcerer who grinds children. There's monsters. It's got everything. Ooh. It's just a wild ride, and I love it, and nobody talks about it. So there's my deep cut. <laughs> um, newer is The Witch Part 1, The Subversion. It's on Netflix. That one is a South Korean action horror kind of carry-ish. You know, this there's super-powered telepathy kids, and they're assassins um i love that one also very bloody and um then on prime Vi that one was on netflix and the messiah of evil on prime oh, video yes. and pluto i'm pretty sure it's on pluto tv and that one is also another gem that doesn't get talked about where a, a girl goes to a seaside village because her father went missing and everybody there is bizarre and ghoulish <laughs> and creepy and i love that one so, yeah. 
Nice. There you go. Some streaming gems, awesome. some deep cuts. No, great. It's a great question. And to anyone listening out there, if you ever want to hear movie recommendations, don't necessarily want to call in, always feel free to hit us up on Instagram or Twitter or email. Um, all that stuff will be in the show notes of the podcast. We're happy to answer it that way, too, especially if we just ripped through a dozen movies yeah. and you didn't want to go <laughs> back and remember what they all were, write them all down. We're always happy to help uh, just share the movies we love. Absolutely. Speaking of which... Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as the lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist, Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hi. You know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and for her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Zena. Hi. Hello. <laughs> and y'all are just missing out the hand, the hands during all this. Dance. We really got to do video. <laughs> we got to switch to video. <laughs> And I'm John. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope that your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. If not, we're going to do our quick round the table for the movies, books, games, anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. And hopefully there'll be things that'll help make you smile too. Zeno, what's been filling your heart this week? So I rewatched Killer Party on Amazon from 1986. It's one of my favorite movies. It's a comfort movie. It's a comedy slasher supernatural horror, and it follows the three... Pro- Three pledges who go to a hazing. Oh my gosh, help me, John. So <laughs> it follows three <laughs> sorority pledges. What? Who what? Go- <laughs> oh, I see. I get it. I'm the phone footage and sorority expert. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> if there's a slumber party, you call John. Yeah, actually. You know what? My daydreams and my actual knowledge are pretty far <laughs> apart. I don't know why I asked you for help. <laughs> No, I know. I got it. No, I, I see where you're thinking. I got no. it. No. Okay, so <laughs> it follows three sorority pledges who go to this hazing party at an old house where there is like a bloodthirsty spirit who's just waiting. So this movie, I feel like, is super underrated and it doesn't get a lot of love. And something that really like just still stands out to this day for me is how likable the girls are. I really like the characters. Like you don't want anything bad to happen to them and they have like great chemistry. So that also adds to the movie. Like I just want to hang out with them, you know? And so not only that, but even though this movie is like 34 years old, there's like a pretty cool twist to it. You know, obviously I won't tell you just in case if you want to check it out. But yeah, like within the first 10 minutes when you first start watching it, it's like really insane. It's funny. There's a music video. This girl has the crimpiest hair I've ever seen in my life. Like, what did she do? How did you do that? You know? And, you know, there's just... (laughs) (laughs) there's just a a, a lot more than even with the ending the ending is like seriously like bananas like and then you you don't really know it's kind of like is it a slasher is it a possession movie is it a haunted house movie it's like I don't know I don't know what it is I guess it's all those things but it's just it's really fun and whenever I'm feeling down and I want to feel spicy and fun I just watch this movie and it really helps so it's your spicy movie I love that yeah I am absolutely going to watch this tomorrow. And it's got nothing to do with it being a sorority. (laughs) It's got everything to do. I tell you what, these days you can sell me on a horror movie if you say that you like the characters. Okay, nice. Because maybe it's just been my selection of movies. It has been such a heavy trend lately of making an entire... It used to be one unlikable person. Right. And it seems like in the last few weeks, it feels like I've watched a dozen movies 
where every single person in it, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like, I get in horror, it's easier to watch someone you don't like die or even root for it or whatever. But honestly, it's a drag, like, on the experience for me a lot of the time. Like, I have to like somebody. Mm -hmm. Like, there has to be someone redeemable, someone who isn't just an overt asshole to the person at the gas station or the racist or the guy who's just trying to have sex with everyone or, get (laughs) in my case with phone footage, the guy who tries to make everyone kiss the camera or film themselves having sex or whatever. It's like, (laughs) just, just be people. Just right. be people interacting, like exist. Like, exist. It doesn't like, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to go out of your way to just like to to create a person that I'm not going to feel disappointed dies. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm watching a horror movie. I know people are going to die. <laughs> like you don't need to like it just it's been really heavy. And again, probably because of my movie selection. But I'm going to turn that all around. Killer Party. Amazon. Yes. Killer Party. And then the next thing I watched is, is a series, uh, Monsterland on Hulu, came out this year, 2020, and it's based on the short story collection, North American Lake Monster Stories. So it's an anthology series, and it consists of like eight episodes. And obviously by the name, you know, there's going to be monsters. There are beasts, fallen angels, werewolves, creatures with very sharp teeth. Um, and also, you know, there's broken people. So of course, yes, they, they use that angle like, oh, people are the monsters, right? But... Not only that, but we start to see, <laughs> not only that, but we, we see, you know, these people, they're just broken and they're like desperate, you know, because they want to be able to like fix their lives. And I don't really feel like it's that of a, it's not a traditional like monster series because again, like the people are the monsters, but also what's the monsters? It's the desperation. It's the poverty, you know, and just a heads up, I, I personally really didn't find it too scary you know, but something I can say, it is more disturbing and dark. I mean, it's like really, really dark. So I just want to give yes. you like a heads up on that because if you are, honestly, if you're having a bad day, don't don't watch this because it will take you someplace else. But yeah, if you like Black Mirror, you may enjoy this one. It's definitely like Black Mirror in that pace yourself <laughs> because it is, it is bleak, yeah. like, it I, is. I just imagine Xena's Soylent Green moment there. The, the people are the monsters. <laughs> it's like that's the movie's yeah. twist at the very end. Yeah. Or it because... teaches us many things, and it's usually that humans are way worse than actual monsters. Yeah. And it, it's it's like I've been I've been hearing things about this series, but I've been noticing that a lot of people, they don't like it. And I think that they were expecting, like, monsters monsters you know what i mean and and then again like seriously it really is pretty dark so um but yeah i i enjoyed it you know and i made sure to like space it out i didn't watch it in one setting because that'll be too much you know sometimes you just need to you can't binge watch this kind of show but yeah that's all for me what about you megan i checked out love and monsters on a premium vod for rental um so literally just came out what thursday friday it's uh stars dylan o'brien as joel he's in a monster infested post-apocalyptic world in an attempt to like thwart an asteroid it created residue that turned all of our garden variety pests into giant beasties and forced humanity or the survivors of humanity into underground kind of bunkers and he decides he is going to stop being a coward and trek 85 miles to the love of his life in another bunker and oh. it becomes like a adventure 
you know, journey where he meets up with a couple other people and the best dog in recent memory named Boy. I love Boy so Aww. much. <laughs> Uh, it's really cute. It's very horror adjacent. It, it reminds me a lot of Zombieland in terms of tone and, and that kind of journeying road trip. Well, walk. It's not a road trip. They're walking, basically. But it's it's lighthearted. Really cool monster designs. Um, but yeah, it's, it's if you need something cute and light, that, that'll scratch the itch. It's co-written... Um, by in the story by Brian Duffield and I I wanted to point him out specifically because I am quickly falling for his work. I mean, he wrote the first babysitter movie. He wrote um he he contributed at least somewhat. I think there were multiple writers on Underwater, but I really liked Underwater this January. He wrote and direct directed Spontaneous which came out a little just a couple weeks ago and that's like young adult, but I I really liked that one too. So He's on my list now, and this movie helped kind of put him there. Yes, nice. um, And then I watched Night of the Demons 2. Yeah! I was looking for something. Yeah, I, I mean, I was looking for something comforty, <laughs> but not something that I'd seen a lot of. Something kind of in that space where it's familiar, but it's been a long while. So I went with part two. Um, that's on, you can rent that on YouTube or Amazon or whatever. I got it through Amazon. That one was a direct-to-video sequel that came out yeah. in 1994, and it's the plot basically is Catholic boarding school students decide to throw a Halloween party at Hull House um, and dabble in some fake um, rituals. What could go wrong? Well, you know, <laughs> Angela could go wrong. And so, yeah, she comes back and... I, I like this one. I, I don't... I think if you like the first one, then I don't know how you won't like this one. Um, I think they do a lot of really cool stuff with it. This this one was directed by Brian Trenchard Smith. He's the director of Dead End Drive-In and Turkey Shoot. Um, it's maybe not as strong story-wise, but I guess the first one doesn't really have much story. They show up at Hill House. Demon Party. <laughs> this one is like, at least there's more set pieces to it. You know, they go to the, the Hull House. They bring back an item. The demons spread at their boarding school. Then they go back and and fight you know Angela once and for all but I really love the finale I think I like the finale in part two more than I like the finale in part one like demon full-blown demon Angela is really cool so yeah just just one thing just one thing I I really love this movie so it just brings me so much joy that you watch it but I have to admit there's something that just always just drove me insane about this movie is it okay. the fact that a girl she finds lipstick and she takes it? You just gonna yes, like, yes. No, I was you... screaming about that while watching it. So, okay, <laughs> thank you. I like this movie. Okay, but the that thing was that insane. they bring back with them that starts this all is lipstick. This right? house is old, decrepit, <laughs> filthy, gross, and they find a lipstick, a used lipstick, used. in a in a medicine cabinet, and they're like, "I'm gonna put it oh. on." No, and she puts it on. No, and the color no. sucked. It didn't look good on her and anyway. Then... <laughs> So yeah, no, it's a terrible color. It's gross, and of course, the lipstick does gnarly things a yeah. little bit later on. So oh. we are totally validated in our feelings of "Ooh, you nasty girl!" Because yes, I don't. You. Yeah, but it also stars a a very young Christine Taylor, who yes. eventually, you know, rose from her direct TV horror status to star in Zoolander and whatnot. But yeah. I like this movie, but I'm with you. That is a major gripe of all the things to bring back. <laughs> That's the from only Hull thing. House. Yeah, some random lipstick. Gross. 
Some used. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Okay. But yeah, that's what I watched. <laughs> <laughs> we lost John. He's <laughs> Oh, I love this show. <laughs> <laughs> we hope everybody has as much fun as we do. Oh, sure do. No, I've uh I'll try and make it quick. I watched like twenty episodes of Tales from the Crypt. I own all the seasons, so I watched I love it so much. I was just that was my background for most of the week. And I've also been uh reading uh, Books of Blood, the first three books of Books of Blood from Clive nice. Barker. Nice after our discussion. It kinda of is like oh, I I should really go back and read Mid- Midnight Meat Train again. Yeah. And then I'm going to go watch Midnight Meat Train, too, because that's a good adaptation. I know it doesn't get enough credit. In my no, opinion, it doesn't is. give enough credit. Bradley Cooper is really good in it. Vinnie Jones is perfect. Like, that was a good adaptation of, like, a 20-page story. <laughs> for sure. I'm all for it. Anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. Anyway, classic. 2005's The Descent on IMDb. A caving expedition goes horribly wrong as the explorers become trapped and ultimately pursued by a strange breed of predators. Which was just a, something I stole off IMDb. Uh, this is all, this is probably the horror movie of like all horror movies for me in that first viewing experience. I, I think we had rented it. I think this was, I think this was one of the later blockbuster rentals for us. It was probably still 2005, 2006. And we didn't have a whole lot of expectations. We're just like, oh, we heard this story. I remembered seeing the trailer. Like I knew it was about caving. Like I'm not particularly, I'm not a huge fan of tight places, but I didn't realize how claustrophobic my wife was until we watched it. Mm. And there's this one cave in scene very early on for those familiar. And she like closes her eyes even now. Like, she does not like watching that scene. Even in our living room with the lights on, it's so perfectly done. But, like, just top to bottom, like, the tension, like, the scene, the ending, which, frankly, whichever version of the ending you've seen, I think they all work. I've seen them all, and I like them all. It's just, and and I I remember getting to the end of it and just, like, being in awe of, like, what (laughs) I just saw. I was like, it's it's a beautifully shot, beautifully acted, fit like horror movie that I'd never seen anything like it. And I love, I also love the idea of horror going underground more. Yeah. Just oh yeah. Like I used to be, there was this, there was a sci-fi show back. It was like late nineties. I think it was called space above and beyond. And it was actually like a really dark gritty version of like starship troopers. We'll say for example, and but it got like really dark episodes and one of the episodes is underground and like they're basically like tunnel rats and like they deal with cave-ins and stuff and i was like oh my god this is like the scariest thing ever the the idea that something starts to cave in on you and you're just trapped Mm. like i feel like i even heard like american horror story but it was like before season season six or something they were saying like this season like we're going underground oh it was before cult and when he said Mm. underground i was like awesome mines going to mines my bloody Valentine. Perfect. Whatever. <laughs> Go underground. And I feel like more horror movies don't. And I don't know why, because I feel like claustrophobia is such a, an inherent fear for so many people. Yeah. That, but at the same time, like you still watch it, like, you know, what's going to happen. And it's still like, oh God, <laughs> like this is hard to watch. Like that's, that's, that's a difficult thing to do in any medium, let alone horror with horror fans <laughs> yeah. to still make you uncomfortable when the villain isn't attacking like that's pretty impressive 
Uh, okay, 2013's The Evil Dead for my slasher. I love this one. Uh, I own this, and it's also on AMC+. Uh, five friends head to a remote cabin to help their friend recover from addiction, where the discovery of a book of the dead leads them to unwittingly summon up demons living in the nearby woods. The, listen, the Evil Dead series is my favorite. Yeah. Like, Evil Dead's one, two, Army Darkness, and... Eh. Um, they are by far my favorite. Like up there with Friday the Thirteenth for me, which I actually I was on another podcast called My Neighbors Are Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, go listen to them. It's an it's an improv comedy podcast, but we were doing talking about Friday the Thirteenth. Like nice. I love that series, but The Evil Dead will always have this like super special place in my heart because it was really the films that got me into horror in the first place. And I was. Absolutely. In 2013, I was absolutely the guy who sat down on the couch, crossed his arms, and goes, oh, they're going to remake Evil Dead, huh? (laughs) And then I watched it, and I don't think, I I think that I was just not paying attention. Like, I was probably on my phone or something while I was watching it. How dare. Yeah, exactly. I think I was just being a dick about it. I rewatched it. Like, we bought it, and I rewatched it, and I was like, this might be the most beautiful horror movie I've ever seen in my life. I love like, it. So the much. the cinematography, the set design, the shooting, it is so like the first 30 minutes of the movie are so gorgeous. <laughs> like I'm like in awe of like just the way they shoot the car like lit up from behind, the way the cabin like it's there but they're not focusing on how terrifying the cabin actually is. Like they, they kind of just get past that and get inside and like, Oh, we got to fix it up, whatever. But like, and everything just like, like down in the basement to like the, like what finding the book, like bound in like a, like a garbage bag and then like wrapped in barbed wire on top of it. And like there's, it's visually, I, I can't, I honestly cannot think of another horror movie that I would hold up cinematically. Like I would the new evil dead. Like, whoever was in charge of that, oh, my God, just round of applause all day long. <laughs> and, and, and and yeah, the ending, like, and that's a beautiful thing. It's, it's such a great blend of really terrifying horror, like atmospheric horror but, and tra- being trapped, not being able to get away, but also homages to the original. And, and so you still get the campiness. Um not a whole lot of humor, <laughs> like very little that you could even perceive as like a joke through most of it. Like it's very somber the entire time. Except that Eric is like, gets so much abuse that you can't help but laugh. Well, yeah, I do a little for him, but that's fine. They kind of set up the, they kind of set up the people. Who, uh... So see, this one treads the line a little bit better where you can have characters who I would consider to be bad people but not hate them as people because it's like not driven down your throat. Like you're told backstory or or characterization. Fine. That you might not like. It's well cast. I think. Yeah. You know, you start, you, I was, I yell at the guy on the screen when he starts clipping the barbed wire. Like, I hate you. You're stupid. Why would you do that? (laughs) But they give you enough to understand. He's like the bookish teacher type that the curiosity of a book cannot, you know, he cannot help himself. Yeah. And it's like, uh, but yeah, just top to bottom, it's such. I, I am very excited to see where they go with the next Evil Dead, like supposedly set in a skyscraper, because for me, like at least from a purely visual storytelling standpoint, 
it's going to be really tough to, to stack up against this one. It's yeah. such a good remake. Like it go, it's up there with the thing as far as like horror movie remakes. Like it's so good. Agreed. Okay, enough about that. Uh, so instead, so found footage. Uh, I stuck with FF because I didn't see any good found footage this week, even though I tried. Uh, <laughs> but this week it's for fan film. Okay. Well, look at you. <laughs> 2020's Never Hike in the Snow. It's on YouTube. It just uh, released on YouTube, I think, this last week. Three months prior to the events of Never Hike Alone in 2017, it follows the strange disappearance of Mark Hill, a Crystal Lake resident who went for a hike in the dead of winter and never came home. So I I saw, I think I saw uh, Never Hike Alone in 2017. And it's a, it's a, it's an excellent uh, fan film. Also found footage. I don't know. So that kind of works. But like the original Never Hike Alone is like a, a free runner, outdoorsy kind of guy, like going to be on his YouTube channel, live streaming his like jaunt through the woods. Hmm. And he stumbles on Camp Crystal Lake. It's like, oh, that's so smart. That's cool. Of course. That's the simplest way. The guy just stum- literally stumbles across it. It's not, oh, let's go, let's go party at Camp Crystal Lake. It's just a guy <laughs> on YouTube who's trying, who's paying more attention to the people who might be watching than where he's going. So good. Interesting. So this, uh, the new one, Never Hike in the Snow, uh, very similar uh, premise. It's basically a guy went out to Camp Crystal Lake and Jason ensues. But then it's also kind of the cover-up, and they even there's even a Tom, uh, Tommy Jarvis reference in it. Nice. It really feels like with this fan film that they're trying to build a bigger world. Cool. Um, because the way I understand it, they, and, and they've got a fan base. Their, their Kickstarter had something like 2,000 backers Dang. or something. Because – yeah, they spend about five minutes in the credits listing every <laughs> single backer's name. And I'm so mad that I didn't get involved with it because I was lucky enough to be contacted by someone who worked on Never Hike Alone and another movie that they're coming up with. And he's like, oh, I think it closed. Do you want to get your name in the credits? I could probably, like, help you out for, like, I was like, <gasps> no, that, that's a that's a crap move. I didn't pay Aww. anything. <laughs> and now I'm just mad that I couldn't give them money. But I'll definitely give them money for their next one because they're making some really good fan films out there. Awesome. And, again, I like... I like fan films, not studio interference films. Yeah, I like, get you. You love the source material? Go. Like, make a just a good homage, a good whatever, fan fiction. Doesn't matter. It's just, it's the love of the source material that always gets me. Understandable. Nice. Right. Enough with what we've been watching this week, and evidently what I've been watching, because I feel like I've been talking forever. <laughs> it's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. Megan, what's going on? A lot of TV news. Um, first up, Sci-Fi recently gave a 10-episode series order to give a new take on George Romero's Day of the Dead. We learned that Stephen Kostansky is going to executive produce and direct the first four episodes. If you don't know who he is, he's part of Astron 6. He is one half of the directors behind The Void. He directed Leprechaun Returns and the upcoming Psycho Gorman. So he knows special effects, which bodes well for a zombie series. Um, They... Written by Jed Elinoff and Scott Thomas, who will also showrun the series, Day of the Dead is is an intense story of six strangers trying to survive the first 24 hours of an undead invasion. 
This ode to Romero's famous flesh eaters reminds us that sometimes all it takes to bring people together is a horde of hungry zombies trying to rip them apart. That that plot doesn't <laughs> exactly sound Day of the Dead. It sounds like Night of the Living Dead. If if we're going back to the first twenty four hours, uh, so I don't know. I'm I'm curious simply based on Stephen Kostansky's attachment to it. To be honest, but we shall see. Um, and then Amazon, over a year ago, it was reported that James Wan was produ- producing a pilot episode for a potential I Know What You Did Last Summer series. They officially greenlit, greenlit it this week. Um, so they ordered the project to series. I think it's supposed to be probably 10-ish episodes. Sarah Goodman uh, is writing and executive producing the series for Amazon Studios and Sony Picture TV. And the show will share a premise with the movie in which a group of teenagers is stalked by a killer a year after a fatal accident on their graduation night. Um, But they're going to put a modern spin on the material, which is also a curious choice of words because it's already modern. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure how they're going to go more modern. like Tech-based? Despite maybe some... Yeah. Yeah, maybe some cliches, but it, it doesn't. I don't remember. I know what you did last summer, really anchoring itself in a specific time now. Right. No, I mean, small yeah, like town type, kind of mm-hmm. seaside ish, Fourth yeah. of July. But I mean, I don't know. James Wan is producing through Atomic Monster. Um, I think slashers in general lend really well to, to the TV series format. Um, so that's promising. I'm hoping that a series format means that the body count is higher because the book there really isn't any and the movie not so much either. I think the movie has like a couple, but let's, 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 if we're going to do a TV series up the body count, because I'm, I'm a glutton for that, I guess. I feel like they really need a full series to actually explain what the killer's motivations were. I'm pretty sure I've seen that movie at least six times. I still have no idea why he was the killer. Because they're jerks I'm still who, so who confused. Yeah. left him for dead. <laughs> but, okay, let's just be honest. Okay, so he... <laughs> in the, Son of a bitch. In the first one, <laughs> in the first one, I totally get why he's going after them. But then in the yeah. second one, it's like, all you right. Do? like Yeah, because they did leave him like just out there to die. But then by the yeah. second one, you're still Okay, so he's us. the guy. Yes. yes. Okay, so it's, okay. spoiler alerts for anyone who's never seen I Know What You Did Last Summer. Just skip forward two minutes. <laughs> we already so spoiled it. <laughs> it's too late. You would think so. Retroactive spoilers. In 1997, uh, the spoiler somehow. window has lapsed. Yes, it's gone. Yeah. Sorry. Again, that's still kind of within my my wish list on a lot of movies still. Mm. Um, okay, so the guy they hit at the beginning, yeah. Ben, yeah. is the killer at the end. Yes. Yes. And okay, then... so who is the guy drinking sitting on the cliff? It's red herring. What? But no, but then they go to like Anne Heche's house and it's her fiance. That's not the same one. They, they kind of overlap. So it's a different, so it's a third. There's a third guy in this? Not really. That that Anne Heche thing, like, all of that is simply red herring. Meant to throw you off. Okay, but there was, like, another... But there was a dead guy. Because at some point they had, like, a newspaper clipping of so-and-so's body her, was pulled out of the water. fiancé or brother or whatever, he died. But it's not related. Like, they they think it's connected because it's a red herring. But the dude that oh, they hit... Oh, I thought, like, they, Ben was involved in killing him... 
Oh, I'm so mad at that movie now. We'll go back and watch <laughs> it. Not only that it took me this long, and I needed to have someone vocally explain it to me, but Red Herring, you're good. Oh, that's a Scooby-Doo twist. That's, oh, well, I'm not happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and while we're at it, I wouldn't mind a, a better, was it Julie? Julie's the final girl name, right? Oh, God, yes. Julie. I do. Yeah. She is my least favorite final girl. Same. <laughs> so if we could get. But what are you waiting for? Uh, <laughs> Come on. That's what the one moment for? she woke up in the entire movie, but she was not nice at she all. She wasn't at all. She, she was, was a mean girl. You were a mean girl playing sanctimonious. Like you killed the wrong girl. Helen, justice for Helen. Oh. That's my bit. <laughs> so yeah, basically, if you want to hire me to help write this series, I got this. Uh, but yeah, so that's in the you works. You can reach us at bedisgustingpodcast at gmail dot com <laughs> for all inquiries into having Megan ghostwrite your script. There's like, or just be a script doctor. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> keeping the TV train news going, Dexter is getting a limited revival. So seven years after this series finale that most people deem disappointing, uh, they're reporting that Showtime <laughs> is bringing Dexter back to life for a limited series, a 10-episode series. Um, Clyde Phillips, the showrunner, will be back, and so will Michael C. Hall as Dexter. The show will be a continuation yeah. of the original series, which ended with blah. I'm not going to say how yeah. it ended if you haven't watched it. <laughs> But but just know that people did not like it. So I guess this is them attempting to rewrite our course correct. So watch, at, at, as watch of now, watch up to John Lithgow and have the rest spoiled on Wikipedia. There, you, yeah, or avoid Wikipedia. I, whatever. Um, but at this time, the <laughs> premiere for this limited run is expected sometime next fall. And then, to last but not least, to switch up the TV news, um, a new teaser poster was revealed today for Texas, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Normally, I wouldn't bother because it's it's an image. It's just a teaser poster. How exciting is that? But the reason <laughs> I bring this up is because the way it unfurled was part of an Easter egg. If you're a Call of Duty game fan, um, they have an upcoming event uh, for Halloween called The Haunting of Verdansk, featuring Ooh. Leatherface from the 1974 classic film. Where um, I guess as part of this this tease for this seasonal event, they fans could unlock um, a, this special Easter egg on the website that led to the TexasChainsaw.com website. So they were surprised with the debut of a killer exclusive tease of the killer Leatherface featured on the new poster for the upcoming film coming to audiences next year. Mm-hmm. They can also email their... Um, email address to receive motion teaser poster featured on the website and a code redeemable for an exclusive call of duty calling card uh which you know cool so you get two birds one stone if you're a game fan but i I just i love the idea of like that type it's almost viral marketing or not quite arg but unlocking something unexpected like that because i guess part of this is you can play as leather face and get all this cool stuff but um once that uh, teaser poster got put online and they released a press release. It's basically what's interesting about it is that it um it's revealed to be a continuation, not like a reboot. It's literally another sequel, which I don't think I was aware of before. The other thing that I did not know is they released some of the cast before. Um, Elsie Fisher, who was the cute girl in eighth grade, 
Sarah Yank Yarkin, happy death day to you, a few other people. But this press release and essentially slightly slipped in that Alice Krieg will be involved. I love her. She's scary. Uh, I don't know if either of you saw Hansel and Gr- or Gretel and Hansel yes, earlier yes. this year. She was the main witch or even in Star Trek as like the Borg lady. Yeah. So I think that was a nice little sly bit of news that, that came about from from all of this. But um, yeah, so the new film, a continuation of Toby Hooper's shocking 1974 seminal classic marks the return of Leatherface, reintroducing one of the most iconic villains of the horror genre to a whole new generation. The film, which recently wrapped production, is directed by David Blue Garcia and written by Chris Devlin, uh, revered horror filmmaker Fede Alvarez, Don't uh, Don't Breathe and the 2013 Evil Dead, and his um, partner Rodolfo Sayegas, they are producing alongside Kim Henkel. So yeah, it's it's like this oh. nice little small treat. We're getting that sometime next year. <laughs> and gamers... <laughs> Happy Halloween, because I don't even play Call of Duty, but I kind of, I want this haunting of Verdance thing now. That sounds really cool. So, yeah. Well, and that was actually one of the calls that we didn't get to this week. What what, what was the ARG that we all signed up for? And then I immediately forgot about. One one day die. (laughs) Yeah, we got a comment. One of our listeners uh, signed up for that and he loved it. He, I don't, Megan, I don't know if you kept going along with it. I did. He loved it. He said it was a really great thing to do i have my box like right up here that i haven't opened yet because i was supposed to have my seance or whatever thursday but they had technical difficulties so now it's just sitting in a corner until they reschedule so i'm glad he had a good time i have not been able to see it yet well hopefully they'll call you soon well see yeah yeah, we want to we want to report back now when if you get a chance. Oh, to do I that. plan. I actually plan to, but there are notes that say that they do not want you revealing any of it until November first, until basically everybody else nice. has oh. had their show. So that way you're not spoiling it. Oh. So yeah, I basically was holding out till November to 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 share how it went. Okay, then you can tell us everything. I will give you the deets. Okay. All right, listeners, your turn. Did you understand the ending of I Know What You Did Last Summer and now question your choice to listen to John give you tips on horror movies? <laughs> are, are you excited for more Dexter? How about, you know, Leatherface and Call of Duty and crossovers and ARGs and boxes? And I don't know how to end this sentence, so I'm just going to say our phone number is 224-475-1040. Number's in the show notes, too. We'll play our favorite message or message at the top of the episode. Please limit yourself to one question or comment per call. Also, the show finds more listeners. We get more calls. I just have to apologize in advance. We can't play everyone's messages. But thank you for sending them. Please feel free to call again. Don't think you can only call once if you if you really want us to play your your, uh, your voice on the podcast. If you're anything like us, you spend more than a little time streaming movies on Shutter, Netflix, Amazon, and the hundreds of other services out there, like Bloody Disgusting TV. To keep your indecisiveness at a minimum, Zena's going to clue us in on what we should be watching. Zena? Hello, everybody. Again, it's me. I don't know why I always do that greeting like I was always here. (laughs) It's me. (laughs) But uh, just on Sunday, the 18th, The Owners, uh, it is now available on DVD. So this one is about an elderly couple. They turn the tables on a group of young thieves who break into their house while they're away. And it's starring Macy Williams. Um, She was also in Game of Thrones. 
And then coming out on Tuesday, um, the 20th, Scare Package will be on DVD. And it's an anthology, you know, comedy horror. It's a, it's a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with that one. Then on Thursday, the 22nd, The Witches will be available. Okay. And this, <laughs> and this dark fantasy comedy, <laughs> a little boy and his grandmother must stop the efforts of a coven of witches who plan on turning children into I don't know what that was. I was trying to sound scary. Did it work a little? Mice. <laughs> then also on the 22nd. It was 22nd, very soothing, terrifying. actually. <laughs> then also on the 22nd, uh, I believe it's called Cadaver. It will be available on Netflix. And it's a Norwegian horror. And in the starving aftermath of a nuclear disaster, a family of three attends a charitable event at a hotel, which, make, which, takes, which takes a dark turn when people start to disappear. The poster's pretty cool. And then on Shutter, 32 Malsana, I hopefully I'm saying it right, I'm sorry, Street. Uh, this family, they leave their, their village behind so they can move into apart to an apartment where something horrifying awaits for them. Again, that'll be available on Shutter. And then on Friday on Hulu, Bad Hair. And this comedy horror, it terror strikes when a woman's new hair weave seems to take take on a life of its own i'm sorry i can't ever take that seriously but it also reminds me i, I believe it's of a uh, scion sonos um xd i believe it's yeah, called hair extensions yeah. so i mean yeah. you know it looks like it, it could be fun you know oh and then also um i forgot to mention this earlier this this month but i i realized this Every year, Hulu, they have this. They have, like, Huluween, you know, and they mm -hmm. just have, like, a, they, they put, like, all sorts of, like, movies and series and, you know, all spooky goodness in there. And then, also, like John said earlier, if you're just like, oh, I don't want to pick Xena, nah, then also Bloody Disgusting TV. It's available on Roku for free. And I'm sorry about the voices. I just had, like, a Pepsi, so I'm just, like, ready to, like... <laughs> it just finally kicked in an hour later. <laughs> yeah, just kicked <laughs> I quickly, I quickly drank a Pepsi. <laughs> oh no, I can't have regular coffee this late at night. I gotta go decaf, otherwise I'm just gonna be up to all hours. Because I don't, I don't drink coffee, but I wanted to feel like alive, so I just saw it. And <laughs> I, I, I grabbed that and We're I grabbed enough. some grapes. Oh, so. I love it. It's like she came alive. She came alive. We're, she, we're winding down the episode and the Pepsi kicks in. I appreciate it. Go ahead. Reach out to us on that one, Pepsi. We'll be happy to sponsor you. Yeah. <laughs> Hit and up if Zena not, for I'm going to go back flavors. and leave both the mentions of Pepsi. <laughs> All right, and that's a Bloody Disgusting podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at HauntedMeg. Xena can be found on her own site, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at LovelyZena on Twitter. And you can hear me doing the 31 Days of Horror as we lead up to Halloween on my own horror narration podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app to help us, you know, get, it's Halloween. I mean, give us some notice. Yeah. People want scares now. They're not going to want scares November 1st. Yes, we they will. This. Yeah, they will. They always need it. We're going to keep doing Horror this. is life. Exactly. I'm still waiting for a good Halloween uh, or a Christmas horror movie besides Black Christmas. We'll talk about that another time. Yeah. And feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at, at BeDisgustingPod or at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com if you'd like to contact us that way. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love.
Just make sure it's something bloody. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out, and we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. Every town has its dark history. Hometown Ghost Stories is a paranormal podcast that goes town to town all across the globe, exploring the world's most haunted places, tapping into the dusty archives and the darkest corners to bring you the most terrifying stories of real people and their harrowing experiences. Hometown Ghost Stories dives into the history of haunted locations and investigates why and how these places earned their terrifying reputation. Rob, Dave, and Jesse go live every Tuesday night after an uninterrupted documentary-style breakdown on the case, followed by an open discussion with live viewers. Subscribe today to listen to Hometown Ghost Stories on your preferred podcast platform or watch the video version on YouTube and now Spotify. Head on over to the Bloody FM Podcast Network and check out Hometown Ghost Stories, if you're brave enough. (laughs) 